Welcome to the Hill City Church Podcast. We are a church family located in Springfield, Missouri. You can learn more about us and support our ministries at hillcitysgf.org. Let's go to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. We'll jump in. Start in verse 4. Then I saw that all the toil and skill and work come from a man's envy of his neighbor. This also is vanity and striving after the wind. The fool folds his hands and eats his own flesh. Better is a handful of quietness than two hands full of toil and striving after the wind. Again, I saw vanity under the sun. One person who has no other, either son or brother, yet there is no end to his toil. His eyes are never satisfied with riches, so that he never asks, For whom am I toiling, depriving myself of pleasure? This also is vanity and an unhappy business. Verse 9, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. And a three-cord or a three-fold cord is not quickly broken. Verse 13, better is a poor and wise youth than an old and foolish king who no longer knew how to take advice. For he went from prison to the throne. Though in his own kingdom he had been born poor. I saw all the living who move under the sun along with that youth who was to stand in the king's place. There was no end. Of all the people, all of whom he led, yet those who came later will not rejoice in him. Surely this also is vanity and striving after the wind. So here's what I'm going to do. Let's pray. And then we're going to jump into as much as we can of this passage. God, we love you. We thank you for your word. Um, may we see it as a gift. May we see your word as a gift to us. This morning, may you open our eyes that we see things from it that maybe we've not seen before, but in, without question, open our eyes that when we do see and hear your word this morning, that it puts us in awe. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So this passage, very relational passage, uh, and, and I'm going to ask a facetious question here, but like we, we have some issues in our world today, yes or no? Right, we have some relational problems all around us, maybe. I, I think we're in a spot in life where most of us can just look all around us and just say, what, what the heck is going on here? Um, if, you, if you will go back and read the first part of chapter 4, I know Daniel talked a little bit about it last week, but there's a word that comes up a few times, and it's comfort, comforted. We are a people who need comforted. We need comfort, not like leisure comfort, like we need our souls to be comforted. And the, the reality is, without that, we're miserable people. God tells his people in his word uh, this, he, he says, comfort one another. Encourage one another day after day, as long as it's called today. Comfort one another with the comfort with which you have been comforted. We are called to do that for one another. So why, why is this not happening? Right? I, think, I think if we look at society, we go, man, there's just a lack of people 
comforting one another. First and foremost, I, I think we have to state the obvious. The reason that's going on is because so many people are living a life apart from God. And they're not in tune with his word, so they disregard what he says about comforting one another. But, but even within the church, those of us who are following the Lord, this comforting thing is eluding us. And here's the second reason I think that's happening. I think too many of us do not have real friends. Like we have pretend friends. We're good at pretend friends. I know this because social media tells me I have 800 of you. Some of you have thousands upon thousands of friends. That's pretend friends. It's, it's, we have a lot of acquaintances. Few of us have real friends. It's kind of like my kids, right? I have four kids. This happens all the time. I can't tell you how often this happens. Parents are going to be like, yes, of course. My kids will come over and they'll, we might be at a football game, baseball game, school, something. And, like, and they'll come over and say, hey, that's my friend. And then they ask something like insane, like, can they come over Christmas morning? I'm like, right, because it's their friend. Or can they come stay all night? Or Now, I know, like, I've never seen this other kid in my life. So then I do this thing. I'm like, well, what? Yeah, what's their name? I don't know. Well, it's my friend. That's kind of how kids do it. You know what I mean? But the, it's, it's, it's not true friendship. So let me just talk. I'm going I'm to talk to Christ's followers, and I'm going to ask you some questions. I want you to answer these honestly. Who are your friends? Just think about that. Well, let me tell you what I'm not asking. I'm not asking who your drinking buddies are, fellas. I'm not asking, ladies, who your book club girlfriends are. I'm not asking who your golf buddies are. I'm not asking who your friends, kids, moms are. I'm asking you, who are your friends? Like, who has access to your heart and to your life? Who knows about your struggles? Who asked you, married people, who asked you how your marriage is going? Because I know where some of you went, like, my wife's my best friend, my husband's my best friend. I get that. That's awesome. Should be. I'm not even talking about your spouse right now. Who, who asked you this question? Hey, what's God been teaching you through his word lately? That's a great friend question. It is a wise thing to have those people in your life who you allow to ask those questions. Let me, let me pose it like this. What in your life, evaluate this, what, what is it in your life that is better because you're doing it alone? Okay, moms of little kids, you, I know where you're going. You just want to go to the bathroom by yourself and that would be awesome. I'm not talking about that. Let me ask it another way, Okay. When, when has isolating yourself from loving and wise and caring 
people made things better for you. Proverbs tells us that that the person who does that, the person who isolates himself, he he actually goes against sound wisdom. Okay, now listen, I'm not talking about uh, retreating for a time of rest. I'm not talking uh, about times of solitude that we're called to in Scripture. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about isolation from wise, loving people. If, if, if you do that, the Bible would say, that's foolish. We need people. The Bible, listen, the Bible's not really flexible on this, on our need for each other. It's just not. We're better with people. The people of God are better with other people of God. We need comforted. We need supported. We need sharpened. We need corrected. We need stretched. Where does that happen? I feel like our passage today, I read, I read from 4 to 16, our passage today to me gives us a glimpse into the misery of not having these things. Just a little taste. It starts in verse 4. And I think if, as I looked at verse 4, it's okay, the misery of, of, of loneliness, the misery of not being comforted actually drives us to this place of envy and you see it all around us, right, every day. It's undeniable that people are working themselves to death. And for what? That's, that, that's, that is prevalent in America. And the preacher, the, 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 the professor here tells us, here's why that's happening. The guy is working himself to death, and for what? So he can look over to his neighbor and say, I'm better than that guy. So he can look to the person beside him and say, well, I'm not as miserable as that guy. Listen, do you have a friend? Do you have the friends in your life that you will allow to say to you, hey, you you need to slow this down? Do you have the friends in your life that you will allow pull you aside and say, listen, you are chasing something here. And you don't want to catch what you're chasing. I know you think you want this. It's not good. Because that, that is what a lot of us do in our work. We're chasing. And for what? The professor says, envy of our neighbor. I need bigger and better this. I need bigger and better that. Oh, that's cool. I like what he has. I think I can get that, but even better than him. The, 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 financial, the famous financial advisor says that we are a people who, who we buy things that we don't need with money that we don't have to impress people that we don't like. Do you have friends that can call you out when that is your reality? You need them. So just when you hear this passage and you think you've got life figured out, you're not driven by envy. You're not driven at all. (laughs) Well, you you think you're pretty good because, well, you don't worry about how much money you make and you don't really worry about working at all. Well, here, verse 5 comes to you. The little 
proverb dropped right in your lap, just when you thought you might draw a conclusion and become what I would say ambitionless or lazy. A fool folds his hands and eats his own flesh. So, so there's a great movie that came out. And if you're anywhere between the age of 37 and 47, this movie made a great impact on your life. It was about two guys. One was named Harry. One was named Lloyd. It was Dumb and Dumber, right? And, and one of them's out looking for a job. And they come back and like, well, did you find a job? And the other one answers like, yeah, but they all want me to work 40 hours a week. What a fool. Dumb and dumber. See, when you see this phrase here, and it talks about a fool folding his hands, you can go back to Proverbs, and uh, that's even, there's a more complete phrase. It's a, fool, a fool, or, or it, we're warned against folding our hands to sleep. We're warned against laziness. Proverbs 10 also says, a slack hand causes poverty. Proverbs 14, and all toil there is profit. But mere talk just tends only to poverty. And it's not just Proverbs that tells us how we should work. You can go in the New Testament. It says, whatever you do, work heartily. In other words, work. You need to work. We're designed to work. And you do it as for the Lord and not for men. So we get a warning here against laziness. Listen, it talks about eating your own flesh. It's metaphoric, right? Because here's what I know, okay? Here's what I, I believe. If this is you, if you're a verse 5 person, you're eating up from the inside one way or the other. You're either eating up with worry because you're like, I don't really know how I'm going to eat tomorrow. I don't know how my family is going to keep their lights on. Or you're eating up with shame. Because you're like, I'm not doing what I'm designed to do. And the result is either worry and shame. Do you have friends in your life that you would allow to say, hey, I love you. I, I see a troubling pattern here. Hey, I love you. I'm just going to tell you what it looks like. It looks like you're not very diligent in your work. I'm not attacking, I'm just telling you that is unwise. Do you have those people in your life that you will allow to say those hard things to you? So I did some research, right? Just some quick research. I'm not give you, I'm not gonna bore you with a ton of it, but I was looking at suicide rates, right? Um, it is a, what's going on in, in, in the country between people ages 40 to 64 is kind of, it's, it's very sad. It's very sad. And what happens is when you, at some time kind of from 40, between 40 and 65, whether you're a verse 4 guy or you're a verse 5 guy, here's what happens. The verse 5 person who wasn't diligent in their work, who folded their hands for sleep a little, a little too much. See, they get to the middle of their life and they go, this is not at all what I thought my life was going to look like when I was 22. And they're eaten away. And, and then the verse 4, this overly ambitious guy, he, he looks back at all the things he's missed out on, all the wreckage in his life because he was chasing, and he's like, I missed it. 
What the heck did I do all this for? And then we get to verse verse 6, which I think will speak to the verse 4 person and the verse 5 person. Better is a handful of quietness than two hands full of toil and striving after the wind. Verse 6 looks at the verse 4 person. Verse 6 looks at the verse 5 person. It says, hey, you both are wrong. And anxiety and disappointment are your destinations. You're both destroying yourselves. And at the root of, of what is destroying you is a great lack of contentment. That's what verse 6 is talking about. It's contentment. Proverbs 15 says, Better is a dish of herbs where love is than a fattened ox served with hatred. So we have a lot of parents here. I just, I'm, let me just go practical with some parents just as we look at this passage. I'm a parent, and I'm not an expert, but I do know what kids want from you, parents. I know what they want from you. They want you in the yard with them. They want you to let them paint your toenails. They want you to throw a baseball with them, okay? And maybe it's not, no, you don't know my kids. My kids don't even like that stuff. Okay, you know what I'm getting at. I'm not saying literally that. Maybe they don't want that, but here's what I know. They want you, and they want your time. And you can go buy them all the, listen, if you're a verse, if you're a verse four parent and you're like, listen, I'm just going to, I'm going to work my tail off and I'm just going to buy my kids a bunch of stuff. Okay, listen, we, we talk with a lot of kids in their 20s that that's what happened. They're miserable. They're miserable. They want your time. Listen. Get off the couch. If you're a verse 5 parent, just listen to me. Get the remote and push off. And go in the yard. Because we have verse 4 parents who are gone, literally and physically gone because they're working to death. But then we have the verse 5 parents who they're there, but they're gone. And just practical look at this. Don't be either. Listen, and here's the deal, parents. This is wisdom literature. It's going to take wisdom. You have to provide for your family, and you need some rest. I can't tell you exactly how to do this. I'm just going to tell you this. Pray, ask the Lord. You need wisdom to be a parent. But you don't want to be a verse 4 parent, and you don't want to be a verse 5 parent. Better is a dish of herbs in your house with love than a big juicy steak, and your kids hate your guts. Do you have friends in your life that you will allow to say to you, I love you, you are not content with where the Lord has you right now. You need those friends. It's a must. So look at verse 13. Because here's what I think, in light of what we just read, as humans, and even more specifically as Americans, we have what I would call two common displays, right, of behavior, or or two default modes that I've seen. I'm not saying this is an exhaustive list, I'm just saying here's what happens. 
See, we need friends that we allow to ask all the questions that we just went over, yes? Amen, just, say, just do something. Okay, right. Okay, we, we all agree with that. But here are our default modes. And you need to evaluate, is this where I am? Number one, we put ourselves around people who enable us, who only agree with us, and who condone our behavior. That's what we do. Don't answer this. Because I'm going to pretend this is just like a high school thing, but it's actually an adult thing. Don't tell anybody. Any church kids grow up that had your church friends, but then you also had like your rebellious crew. And you bounced back and forth, depending on where you were. Right? It's like, man, you were fired. You come back from youth camp and all that, right? You're going to hang out with your Christian friends a lot. But then it's like, man, I'm getting this itch, and I know they won't approve of where I, where I am here. Oh, but they will. I'm going to hang out with them. Oh, only kids do that. Listen, it's a default mode to put yourself around people who will not ask you the hard questions. It's default mode to run from friends who hold you accountable. And go to people who won't buck your system. That's one default mode. The second one is just isolation. I just don't want to be around anybody. And you keep asking me what God's teaching me. I haven't read my Bible in three years. I'm done hanging out with you. We don't want to hear or take advice that we desperately need to take. Proverbs says, quite simply, the person who walks with wise people will be wise. But the companion of fools suffers harm. Who are your friends? And this is sad. Listen, I'm old enough now, I've seen this happen. I've seen people wreck their families because they won't listen to wise counsel from people they should be listening to. I've seen people wreck their businesses. I've seen people wreck their ministry. Why? Because they run to people who will enable where the darkness of their heart is, or they just isolate totally. And it's very unhealthy. And the professor says, no, 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 don't do that. You need friends, and not just friends, you need friends who are like your family. You notice I skipped verse 7 through 10, let's back up. You need these people. Again, I saw vanity under the sun, one person who has no other, either son or brother, yet there is no end to his toil, and his eyes are never satisfied with riches, so that he never asks, for whom am I toiling, depriving myself of pleasure? This also is vanity and happy business. Verse 9, two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their toil. If they fall, one will lift up his fellow. Oh, but whoa, warning, bad news to him who falls and has not another to lift him up. So I've got a sheet here. I mean, one, I mean I've mean, i got 25 of these, and there are more. Uh, 
They're called the one another's of Scripture. See, God designed us, and the way it should work is we should love one another, forgive one another, accept one another, bear one another's burdens. That's necessary for all relationships. Be hospitable to one another. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Serve one another. Carry one another's burdens. Comfort one another. And we can go all day. You can't, listen, that, that's, that's a group activity. Loneliness is at an all-time high. Despair at an all-time high. I, I think that's, we, we can say that in this country. We, we, listen, the stats are in, okay? We're the most medicated, overeating, overprescribed, overindulged people that have probably ever lived on the planet. That's, that's us. It's USA. You are the chant. That's us. And then we read this. Listen, and, and we, all through Scripture we can see this. Listen, falling down, falling into a hole. Cold nights. They're, inevitable, they're an inevitable part of life. They are coming. You're going to fall. That's why it says when you fall. You're going to fall. Nights get cold. The Bible says you've got to have somebody in those times. And listen, you can't wait till those times to hit to start then looking around to see who that is. You need those people around you now before you fall. You need those people around you now while it's warm and the sun is shining because they're coming. You've got to have those people around you. Bible's pretty clear on this. This world's going to give us trouble. That's why I know you're going to fall. This world's going to give you trouble. That's how I know you're going to get cold. Let me talk to the people of God just for a minute. If you're not following Jesus, uh, man, I want you to, but this, this is not really necessarily true for you. To the people of God, you know one of the number one things we should be doing all the time as people are falling, as our friends are falling, as we have these cold times, right? One of the number one most important things we can do for each other is this. Hey, hoodie, this world's not our home, man. This isn't, like, this isn't the peak. This isn't the pinnacle. We're strangers here, brother. You know why people stab you in the back? We're strangers here. There's going to be a day we're not, it's going to happen again. Amen? See, that's encouraging. We've got to remind each other, this world's not our home. We need friends that are doing that. Okay, now, now do you want to know why there's trouble in the world? I, I'm, I'm just going to boil this down to brass tacks. Here it is, you ready? Sin. Let's, we don't need to create some creative way to say it. This world's jacked up because sin. All the crap that you see on TV is a result of sin. This world's a mess. Now here's the deal. The solution to that sin, the solution to that mess is Jesus Christ. Hear me, listen to me. We need his friendship first. 
See, we, we can, listen, there are unsaved people, they're not following Jesus, and they would be classified as good friends. And I, and I think they can be good friends, but listen, they can't be all of the friend that they can be. They are not meeting their potential of being a good friend apart from the friendship of Jesus. It can't happen. Jesus, in the Gospels, we, we see in Matthew, he, this man's a friend of sinners. And all the sinners in the room said, amen. We need his friendship. Now, Proverbs talks about there's a friend that actually sticks closer than a brother. I don't necessarily think he's talking about Jesus, but he could be talking about Jesus now that we know what we know. Jesus, the only, the only answer to this, like you're thinking, man, I, really, man, I want some friends, Brad. I hear you. I don't have those friends. Where, I, where I'd want us to, to, to stop today and just think through is, okay, how is my friendship with Jesus right now? I think that's the, I think that's the starting point for us today. As, as we look and we see him, you know, the professor tells us, man, two are better than one. A three-fold cord is not quickly broken. As we, man, he's given us wisdom. You've got to have some people with you. You need people. You need friends. But listen, I, I would, I'm, t- I'm sending you down the wrong path if I'm saying do that apart from evaluating your friendship with Jesus first. And, and I think we start by evaluating, okay, how, how was he a friend? to us we know this by what he did for us how did he show his friendship like I mean first he comes and he's perfect and he hangs out with people like us that's a great start but then he didn't just leave it at that he then he dies for us he dies for his friends he was buried was rose he, he, he rose again and he's sitting at the right hand as Jarrell preached to us this morning and you know what he's doing what a friend does intercedes positively on our behalf to the father oh what a friend we have in Jesus amen start there now you might be thinking this oh I know what you're doing this is that bait and switch uh, getting city group sermon right maybe maybe but hear me, because I see a lot of faith. Some of y'all are in city groups, and you don't have a friend. Some of y'all are in city groups because you can check your box and say, well, I do that because this is what church people do. But you don't even have a friend in your city group. I want you to evaluate that. And we have sign-ups. You can go get in a city group. But listen, as your pastor, I'm going to tell you this right now. Don't go sign up for a city group unless you go in going, you know what, I'm, I'm going to make some friends here. And the way I'm going to do that is I'm going to be like, Jesus, I'm actually going to go into this to be friendly and to serve. Like, I'm not going to go to this group so that people will be my friend. You see what I'm saying? We look to Jesus for that. Listen, guys, we've got to have it. We're made for it. The Bible doesn't bend on that. Let's pray.